traffickers and violent criminals. 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Let's get biblical. God, the omnipotent ruler of heaven and earth, breathed into dirt the breath of life. Here's Bruce the Theologian on the Elijah Har Show. Welcome back to KWTO. Most people think Creed is a rock band and confessions only belong in the Catholic Church. Bruce, you want to talk about creeds and confessions today, neither of which are those. Walk us through what are the creeds and confessions. Yeah, creeds, confessions, and catechisms. Uh, the they, These all sound very Catholic. They do, but they're, they're just historical Christianity. Uh, they're, they're not really familiar. People probably locally aren't that familiar with creeds and confessions because they're really not done around here. First um, off, are you familiar with Creed, the band? I am familiar. Uh, well, late late nineties, early two like, thousands. I'm band. a big. Yeah. I grew up on Creed. They were like they were the the better Nickelback of my era. Okay, I think they're back on tour. They I are. I saw something I, online the other listen, day. Listen, you may hate them. Scott Stapp still has the greatest halftime show, the Dallas Cowboys halftime show, about twenty two years ago really? on Thanksgiving. Just just look at everybody talks about. It. I All didn't right. know. I didn't know Creed was that big. That they it's did a, a little bit tongue in cheek. It was kind of over the top, mm. but it was amazing. All right, creeds and confessions. Um, Yeah, Um, so as we just said, not really familiar. People around here wouldn't be that familiar with creeds and confessions, uh, but our church, Heritage ARP here in Springfield, um, conservative Presbyterian church, we we do subscribe to several of the creeds and confessions. Uh, The most common one that you're going to see out there is going to be the Apostles' Creed. The Nicene Creed is another one that uh, that we have at our church. We follow the Westminster Confession, the Westminster Standards in our church. We also... uh, are big fans of the Heidelberg Catechism. The um, the Lutheran Church has the Augsburg Confession of 1530. Uh, the Baptists have the London Baptist Confession of 1689, though I, I would think most Baptists in Springfield would not even know what the London Baptist Confession of 1689 is. And then the... Um, the Episcopalian Church, most in the United States, would follow the, uh, the 39 Articles of 1563. So, what is a creed or a confession... And are they different things? They, they, they are different. Um, creeds and confessions are primarily a summary of belief uh, that helps Christians kind of crystallize what Christianity is. Another thing that they do is they, is they tell the outside world what do these Christians believe. Uh, they also unite uh, the Christian community regardless of, uh, of uh, culture, which is important because oftentimes uh, you find different modes of Christianity in different cultures. Uh, and they cover the they cover the entire scope of the Bible uh, in many cases. One positive thing about them, or many, they're all positive. But uh, one of the highlights, I would say, of the creeds and confessions um, is that they stop. They they how should I put this? They they show us the entire character of who God is and, and, and what God what God is and who God is. And um, they stop. They can stop people fixating on certain areas of theology that they like, and other areas, or, or God's character that they like, and other areas of character that they're not as familiar with or not as interested in. Um, so the, the 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 problem is, is that so many people say, "I like this about God," or "like this about Jesus," but I don't like this about Jesus. What the creeds do is they give us the entire story. Um, um, so you know, they have the. Um, uh, the uh, the Apostles' Creed says, you know, that that God will come to judge the living and the dead. He's not just, you know, warm, snuggly Jesus like a lot of people think, or the kind of Jesus is my boyfriend culture that the people think of. 
um, it's it's the entire council of God. That's Garrett's favorite Jesus. <laughs> well, the Jesus is, that is all too common. I'm afraid in the evangelical world, we may talk about that a little bit. But it's my it's my favorite <laughs> saying. I don't. It's not my favorite form of Jesus. Garrett hates. Yeah. Garrett's always like, "Don't make me out to be yeah. some fake Christian." I know. My favorite. I always picture baby uh, picture Jesus <laughs> in a tuxedo shirt, so I know he's serious, but he's also ready to party. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah. Um, so, so the, the creeds, the creeds stop us from, from making a God of our own making or creating a God of our own choosing and give us the entire counsel of God. Um, they also act as a, um, what I would call a doctrinal compass and a roadmap, uh, that Christians of the past have laid down. Some of these creeds are from 390 and 325 and some of the reform creeds of our church are, you know, from the 1500s. Um, but they link us to our Christian heritage, and I think uh, I think that's vitally important that the, the church today is, is is drifted far from its Christian heritage. Um, and yeah, that's where we stand. You talk about obviously the the, the Apostles' Creed. Is that drawn directly from Scripture? Um, it's derived from Scripture, but not directly. We have to also understand that all these creeds and confessions are subordinate to Scripture. Okay, so so none of them are directly pulled out of there. Is there a is there a, a creed or a, that's that you say is directly pulled out of Scripture, or all of them? post-scriptural um formally speaking the, the kind of the first creed that was out there is uh, is jesus is lord that would be the first one that's out there but um, um but no what what you have in the apostles creed nicene creed especially in the westminster confession heidelberg catechism and others you have statements that are given uh, question and answers that are given and then proof text that if you get a copy of the of the Westminster Confession, you will see in there, uh, we come up with this statement based on this verse. So it's, it's useful. Now, uh, we've talked about this before, the Assemblies of God, a little bit more, uh, less history than some of these 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 other, mm-hmm. you know, the Catholics, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, does the Assemblies of God have a creed? They do of sorts. That's a good question. Uh, they, and then casting my mind back to my time at Evangel uh, University here in Springfield, um, they have the 16 fundamental truths. Uh, I can't say I've even looked at those in the last... 20 years probably, uh, but they do have um, what they would consider their doctrinal distinctives found in the 16 fundamental truths, and as far as I know still, uh, ministers in the Assemblies of God have to sign off, I think it's annually on, and forgive me if I'm wrong on this, it's been a long time since I've interacted with that material, but I believe they, they have to periodically at least sign off that they still agree with the 16 fundamental truths, and some of those some of those uh, components of the 16 points are, uh, are controversial, but distinctive for for uh, assemblies of God. Well, I assume uh, at people. least one of them is is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the secondary language. Yeah, there's one in there. There's another another one that's controversial. And like I said, this is I wasn't ready for this, but um, there is one in there, if I remember correctly, about there is the right to divine healing, and oh, that's that's problematic because I don't know what it. We've got them up got, now. We're looking yeah. at number twelve, divine healing. Oh, is yeah. that okay? Yo, you got him. You pulled him up. Okay, I was say Garrett. Garrett, um, Garrett has a little bit of a background in this. So, so, so I'm not sure what one Tech does. Jesus is on there too. You know, not sure what one does who is, um, you know, has terminal cancer that isn't healed and, and perishes as a result. I don't know where that that how that squares with that um, with you know health issues that are long term issues. Yeah, I presume it's just like salvation. It's offered to everybody, but not everybody gets to partake in it. Um, Okay, some of these, you know, you have the Nicene Creed. Uh, Council of Nicaea, my recollection, uh, limited recollection, is that's where our modern-day scripture comes from, essentially, is, is the Council of Nicaea. There's components of, of, of how we, we got the canon that come from Nicaea. Uh, is, yeah. is the Nicene Creed different than that? Is it And is it based in one particular 
religion or or denomination um, I, I think not a denomination catholics uh, and protestants would agree with the contents of the nicene creed there wouldn't, okay. be, there wouldn't be and lutherans and yeah catholics and then and protestants. you mentioned the is the westminster confession the westminster confession is the is the confession of the church that uh, that i attend and is a, a, a widely used confession in the reformed uh, world or the doctrines of grace world um but that's uh, written in uh, 1563 uh, by the uh oh, sorry forgive me uh, that's the Heidelberg Catechism was 1563, but the Westminster Confession was 1646 to Ooh, 1648. Man, that, you're just 100 years off. Yes, 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, so what's the, what's the imperative? What's the, you know, I, you mentioned the Assemblies of God, 16 doctrinal statements, mm-hmm. and ministers have to sign off every year. Mm-hmm. Does every religion do that? Or are these creeds taken that seriously in every denomination? Um, I'm, in my denomination, you don't sign off on anything before you're, before you're either brought into the church as a, as a member or an elder or, um, or a minister, you do have to affirm the Westminster Confession. So that's the, that's the, the standards that our church And compared uses. to, you know, we only went through one portion of the Assemblies of God, but the Westminster Confession is it is it similar? Is it laid out in certain points? Is it a, a longer statement? What's it? Oh, it's very, it's very lengthy. You have okay. the Westminster Confession, then you have the larger catechism and the shorter catechism. Um, okay, catechism. Yeah. Before we even, what is what is catechism? A catechism is a teaching aid, basically that that are derived in the case of the Westminster Catechism, uh, shorter and longer, is derived for the components of the Westminster Confession. But so, yeah, catechism. Because I have always heard catechism in the I was raised in Catholic school Catholic, and did catechism. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're saying catechism is not only relegated to the Catholic community. Correct. It's not. It's not distinct to the Catholic uh, Church. Um, it's a teaching aid. It basically says there's answers in the confession. I'm trying to think. Do I have? Uh, okay. Here's an example from the Westminster Shorter. The 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 the, the big one or the the main one or the the first one I should say from the Westminster Shorter Catechism is what is the chief end of man? The answer is man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So that would be an example. There's a question, there's an answer. The Heidelberg Catechism of uh, 1563 is, what, the first question is, what is your only comfort in life and death? Answer is that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and death to my Savior, Jesus Christ. So they're asking a question um, and then derive from Scripture. They're coming up with an answer to that question. Uh, you mentioned... Some of the creeds, for instance, divine healing in the assemblies of God or speaking in tongues um, are controversial, but also, in my mind, I assume each one of these catechisms denominations sort of make that denomination separate from everyone else. Is that... Uh, in some cases, yeah. I mean, the, the London Baptist Confession of 1689 is, is distinctively Baptist. It's very, very reformed. It, it observes, uh, you know, the doctrines of grace that you would find in the Westminster Confession. There's a tweak on baptism because the Westminster Confession is is more on the um, on the um, pedo Baptist side, and the London Baptist Confession is distinctively uh, takes credo baptism uh, as their okay. Their Again, mm-hmm. you were swimming at the deep end. Okay, pedo baptism versus credo baptism. I got to know the difference. Um, it, um, Pedo-baptism would be um, child baptism, the baptism ah, of children. Oh, yes. Yeah. That, that, um, that, that many denominations practice. For, that said, they, they practice it for different reasons. We could do maybe a show on baptism one of these days. Um, I would like that. I, in fact, because I, I, I have a couple questions on for infant versus adult and baptism of the Holy Spirit versus water baptism. I okay. would love to dive into that. Yeah, we'll have to dive into that sometime. Um, and then credo baptism is is believer's baptism, which is probably, well, definitely in, in Springfield with the, the, the large Baptist and Assemblies of God contingency is the one that's practiced most in our area, which is um, a person um, is baptized after having made a profession of faith. The profession of faith is, is required for baptism. 
you see sort of, I would say, infant baptism light, but baby dedications, common thing in, mm-hmm. in Protestant cultures. Is that a derivative of infant baptism, or is it something it, different? It may be. It, it may be. Yeah. That, and like I said, that's another show. Um, but, um, yeah, I could see how, how people could say that, um, that it, it is similar, similar to, uh, uh, to a, a baby dedication, similar to an infant baptism, but how infant baptism is practiced both in the Catholic, Lutheran, uh, and Protestant church, and there's multiple levels within the Protestant church and how it's practiced, um, it is very different. And they, the, the church that I hail from, the, the conservative Presbyterian world, uh, baptism of an infant is, is um, a symbol of being brought into the covenant community, and that is different in how it is uh it is done in the uh, both the Lutheran and the Catholic world. Okay, we're, we're definitely scheduling a baptism show. Okay, okay. Um, and I'll send you some some questions in advance. Okay, okay. Um, but okay, back to uh, again this, the importance of these creeds. You know, when they're written in essentially the Dark Ages, what was the what was the the, the reason that people were writing these creeds? Why why did these get laid down? Well, they're, they're distinctives. You know, they um, they're constitutional documents. These, the, you know, how would America function if we didn't have a constitution? You know, and I think uh, Christianity needs needs to have constitutional documents. They're like I said before, they're they're not they're they're subordinate to Scripture, but they kind of hit the high points and crystallize who God is and what our relationship is to Him. And I think if if you don't know who God is and you don't know what your relationship to Him is. Then you don't know how to worship God, and I think that's a that's a very very important component of that. Um, I also think that that um, the great thing about the creeds and confessions is they act as guide rails for what the churches uh, churches how churches function. They also act as guide rails for what a minister can do and cannot do. I think if you don't have creeds and confessions, um, the church will drift. Um, is it creeds and, creeds and confessions a great way for spotting heresy because you can say, hey, pastor, so and so. Uh, you just violated our creed or our confession, and therefore that's um, there's there's potential grounds for discipline there. If you don't have those guide rails and you don't have those central um, points that you can point a minister to, like you violated something, then I'm you're kind of at the mercy of the minister, unfortunately, and that's not that's certainly not how the uh, the church should function. And you're right because if you think a <laughs> a leader in a church is speaking outside of scripture, oftentimes people look at scriptural terms very differently creed sort of provides the color and okay this is how we look at it as a denomination right because like even the assemblies of god would say and and they probably don't regard the uh, the 16 fundamental truths as their creed they would probably regard it as their as their distinctives because i think they would affirm the apostles creed and the nicene creed i don't think they'd have any issues with those um is there any is there any denominations that would object to the apostles creed or the nicene creed um i not that i know of well if they do they're outside of christianity Okay. I think I think we would all agree with that. Uh, if you if you have a problem with the Apostles' Creed or Nicene Creed, you're outside Greater Christendom. Okay. Um, which means you're not a Christian. Um, it, and then I say that in the in the broadest sense. Um, but um, yeah, back to the um, you mentioned the Assemblies of God, or I mentioned the Assemblies. Um, and I forgot my train of thought there where we were going. <laughs> um, was but, gonna ask oh no no, that, there, I've got it. I've got it back. Um, uh, what you, the common um, thing you'll hear locally will be: we don't believe in creeds. We don't, the only creed we believe in is the Bible. Well, it's no creed but the Bible is, is what's commonly said. Well, the problem with that that in itself is a creed, but the problem is within that is that the Bible means different things to different people, and that's what the creeds clean up and clear up. Um, okay, what about some of the uh, denominations that you know? I'm not going to say are quasi Jesus, but um, Mormons adopt a very different. 
the- theology than a lot of mainstream Christianity. Would they believe in the Nicene Creed and uh, the Apostles? That's Creed? a good question. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm not very familiar with Mormon doctrine. I, I'm familiar with some of it, but I would have to go line by line in the Apostles' Creed and Nicene Creed and then contrast that. They'd certainly disagree with the contents of the Westminster Confession. I know that, or probably the London Baptist too. But I'd want to go line by line and then contrast that with their own their own theology. Okay. Uh, Bruce, we're, we're going to put two orders in, one for a, a segment on baptism. I also want one on church hierarchy, bishops, deacons, what's the difference, yeah. how that process works. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, you are Pentecostal Reformed. I'm Pentecostal Presbyterian Reformed. Reformed. Presbyterian. There's a big I, difference between those. I'm sorry, those. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did go to Evangel. I did go to Evangel, but I, uh, I, I went there as a, as a, as a, um, as a reformed uh, at the time, a reformed Baptist, and um, my professors there at Evangel, I think some of them are still there at Evangel, uh, knew that, and, uh, and we had good conversations as a result of that. But no, I'm I'm very reformed and, and very a Presbyterian. Okay, uh, what what would be, uh, and I think you mentioned earlier, what, what would be the creed of the reformed Presbyterians? Uh, we used we used the Westminster Confession of Faith, which from that comes the Westminster Larger and the Westminster Shorter Catechism. We would also um, regard the Heidelberg Catechism. Um, the canons of Dort uh, and others, uh, as you know, uh, yeah, we, we we would also agree with the the overwhelming majority of the London Baptist Confession as well, though we're we're not Baptist. Um, but yeah, these are our distinctives. So if you if you uh, if you want to join a, a conservative Presbyterian church, you would have to affirm um, the contents of these. Uh, certainly, certainly, if you were going to be in leadership in a church, you would have to um, uh, affirm the uh, the Westminster Confession. The difference between Reformed Baptist and Reformed Presbyterian um, primarily would be um, the the understanding of covenant theology, uh, the raising of covenant children, um, and yeah, covenantal theology is the is the big difference between the two. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. very and, good. And baptism, the, the you know it, within covenant theology, um, um, uh, Presbyterians will baptize infants uh, and uh, Baptists uh, even in the Reformed Baptist world. A, a good example of Reformed Baptist would be a, a John MacArthur. Um, they wouldn't baptize uh, infants. They would only baptize um, uh, people after having had uh, made a confession of faith. Very good. Bruce the Theologian, thanks for coming in today. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, we'll be right back. We'll wrap up the show. It's the ground.